Okay, do I start over? Well, uh, my name is Hank Nyer. The recording has been started. And uh, my telephone number is area code 818-939-4232. I'm in California. So right now it's a little after. It's just about 6 o'clock, a few minutes after. Um, and I'll have dinner after the meeting. Uh, I came in on November 30th. Uh, it was 34 years and four months ago. So I think it was, I forgot what year it was, in the 70s or 80s, 1988, 1998. And my bottom was my daughter's first wedding. She's married now for the second time. Uh, and uh, I knew I was heavy. I didn't know how heavy I was. And I, I tell the story because it's important. And I have a friend who's still, last time I saw him, he was still 100 pounds overweight. He's a retired CPA. And one of his clients ran, it was a tuxedo store, that they, and they specialized in fitting hard-to-fit people. So, um, and what was happening at the time, everything was coming to a close. I was working out of my house as a headhunter. I had worked for a firm, then I decided I wanted to go out on my own. I converted the garage into an office, and I, and I was there, and, you know, I'd make a phone call and I'd go eat something. And there was a pool right off, right off that too. So I'd go eat, you know, wasn't being very productive. It was, I was slowly hitting my bottom. Well, my son, uh, addicts are very, were very cunning. Uh, he knew where I kept my checks and he went to the, to the, to that box and didn't go to take the top one. He went to the bottom of the thing. So like eight things, he took the number eight books and I'm cashing checks. He's cashing checks all over town, and my checks are bouncing. And finally, one uh, one merchant called at home, and that's how we found out what was going on. And we were, he was about 16 or 17, um, and uh, he it, we were out of control. We were unbelievable. So uh, we had to go to Tough Love, and the therapist there who was working there she also had her own practice. She's retired now. Uh, she took me under her wing, and she said, Hank, stop screwing. Oh, so here's what happened. My daughter's getting married. My son's arrested, and I'm morbidly obese. I have no idea how much I weigh. I, I didn't want to get on the scale. I, I had no, no, no desire to know that. So um, my friend, who, who the accountant, sends me to the tuxedo store. And he says, okay, come back in a week before the wedding. I wanted to see him right after Labor Day. The wedding was the Saturday after Thanksgiving. She says, uh, come in the week before. I said, okay. I, I thought I could lose weight those two months and whatever. I, I probably gained more weight. So I had to see him the Friday before uh, the wedding. And, and the wedding was the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Um, and... Uh, he measures me and everything. I don't know what size I was, but I remember this. He had to send mail or get the tuxedo from someplace in Tennessee. And my head said, even if he gets it, it's not going to arrive in time because of the holiday and bad weather, Thanksgiving. So I fantasized in my mind that I was going to um, accept his apology. He was going to talk about being a director and a writer and a this is the script I wrote out. He was going to uh, apologize profusely for not being able to get the tuxedo, 
And I was going to say, that's okay. I know you did your best. Could I have a hanger with one of your tuxedos on it? And I'll take that home. They don't have to, it's not like a wedding gown that you have to see it before. And the day of my daughter's wedding, I was going to wake up sick and say, I can't go to the wedding. I can't go to the wedding because I'm sick. So I go in uh, the Saturday before the wedding. He's got the tuxedo and uh, it's there. I don't know what size it was, maybe a size 60 or 62. I have no idea. So go there, um, go to the wedding. I remember the aisle was to walk down. It was myself, my daughter, and my wife. And I had to walk a half a step back because I was taking up two spaces in the aisle there. And I, I remember that. And I remember somebody wanted to dance with me, and uh, they said they couldn't put their arms around me. And uh, that, was, that was my bottom. So I had seen my therapist um, the week before. The week after the wedding, she says, Hank, you've got to get your ass to overdose and on. So I remember she said that. And every year around my anniversary, I call her. She's retired now. But we reminisce about that. So I went and... Um, it's really, oh, you couldn't fit in. The room was so big. I mean, it's so small, and there were so many people, and many of them grossly obese, that uh, there was a wall outside, and we called that the half the half measures wall. Uh, people didn't want to go into the meeting. They, so they hung out in the parking lot. And so I got there early, and I was handed something to read. He didn't say, would you like to read? This guy, he was half my size, and I was scared to death of him. And he's still around. He celebrated over maybe 44 or 45 years of abstinence uh, a couple of months ago because his, his anniversary birthday is the week before mine. And um, we see each other. We're not friendly, but we tolerate each other. I guess we respect each other's program. And uh, he's been around for 45 years. Who am I to say he's not doing it right? So he says, you want to read something or someone? And he handed me something, you know. And one of the things that I miss about the, the meetings now we ask for volunteers to meeting. Who would like to read how it works? Who would like to read the 12 steps? Who would like to read the, the, the promises? In those days, 35 years ago, our sponsors nominated us, and spon- three sponsors would nominate three people, and we had to stand up in front, of the, in front of the people and tell them why we wanted the job. And I wish they would go back to that. I really do, because it's a responsibility, I feel, of the sponsor to get your sponsees to move their butt until they're ready to move their butt on their own. So uh, I've spoken all over. I've spoken at the retreats. I've spoken at uh, World Service Organization things. And I, and, I, and I moved. And another thing, I any addict in recovery can move much easier than any person who has no addiction at all because wherever we go, most likely there's going to be a meeting dedicated to our, our illness and our recovery right in that neighborhood. So the last trip my wife and I took together with another couple was to New Orleans uh, about a year before. I was in the program. I was in the program. And I remember Saturday morning, everybody was sleeping in. And I found an OA meeting, and I went to the OA meeting. And I shared for three minutes at the meeting. Fast forward a year, I'm moving to, from Los Angeles to Washington, D.C. for a job. And people are handing me slips of paper with names of people they knew in Washington so I could call them when I got there and find out where the meetings were before. And that's why I say it's very important to do that. So I have the list. I have about a dozen names. The first number I called was from a woman who had just moved from New Orleans to Washington and recognized my voice. 
And she told me where, where the meeting was the next day on Sunday afternoon. It was like I arrived Saturday, so I went to meetings. So I called her on Saturday, went to the meeting on Sunday. I got the meeting list, went to a meeting on Monday after work. And this was my thing. The company was putting me up for three nights, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. I had to find a place to move for myself and two German shepherds. And everything I owned fit in my Chevy Blazer at the time, where they're not as big as they were then. And I, did, I said, all I need is someplace where I can, where you'll take my dogs and I'll worry about sleeping, whatever. And I rebuilt my life then. One of the persons there had a building. They checked me out. I, measured, I went there, started going to meetings in downtown Washington. There was a meeting downtown noon. It was an AA meeting, open to all, all the things. I met people there. Um, I, I did all of those kinds of things. I, I got in service. I was elected the uh, intergroup chair or the meeting chair, then I was an intergroup person. Um, I was sent to Albuquerque. Uh, I became a delegate to World, uh, World Service Organization. And that's where I met Roseanne. And, I mean, Roseanne had been in, in L.A., but I didn't know who she was. And, and, and I met her there, and I met some other people around. And that's when I really got into service. And I was on a committee. And this is the thing, you know, we talk about pride. My, all the things I've done, I know I've helped a lot of people in recovery. But I'm most proud or most grateful for the opportunity to have contributed to the OA literature. And here's what happened. In the original printing of the OA 12 and 12, it talked about um, uh, something happening. Oh, uh, oh, there was a split between two intergroup. One intergroup had, had two divisions, and they split their, their thing. They went, they went their separate way. But when I moved to Washington, I served on the committee who helped resolve the differences, and then now it's back one intergroup again. So I said, you're telling a group that they separated. I think you should put, the next time you print it, you should put a footnote in at the bottom of the page saying that after years of being apart, they, re, they worked together and over a period of time resolved their differences, and now they're one re, reunited intergroup. And that, folks, is my, the thing I'm most proud of that I've accomplished. Uh, uh, Another thing, I, I met a guy who was in, uh, I met him in the hospital. I was, uh, I'm a veteran, and I was in the hospital for something. And there were four of us in the thing, myself, an Orthodox Jew, and I'm not Orthodox, and two Gentiles. Well, the, the, the gentleman who was Jewish, his wife was cooking for him because he would only eat kosher food. When she found out that I was Jewish, she started cooking for me too. And, and the two Gentiles saw how well we were eating. Before we knew it, the woman was printing, cooking for all of us there. You know, and I got to be friends with him. I used to go to his house once in a while, but we haven't seen each other in years. You know, people move on. I think about him now and then, but I don't have his number anymore. And he's gone his way. I've gone my way. Um, uh, another story I shared, he's still around. I know he's got over 40 years. He said, he, he said, this is the difference between an alcoholic and a compulsive overeater. If an alcoholic wants to take a drink at 2 a.m., he picks up the phone, calls somebody, and within a half hour, there were three alcoholics at his house, sober alcoholics, talking about it. If a compulsive overeater wants to eat at, at 10 o'clock at night, he does, and a month later he tells somebody. So that's why I always give my phone number. I always give my last name. And the thing is, call before you eat. What's the best time to call? Before you take that compulsive bite. You know, this disease, as I said before, and I'm, I'm saying it again because it's so important for me to remember, it's cunning, baffling, powerful, and jealous and patient. Um, I would use some swear words, but I'm not going to do that. So how much time do I have left? Does anybody know? 
I'll keep talking. At the end of nine innings, it's the Dodgers three. Uh, I don't know what else to say. Tell you what I'll do. I'll take the You have questions. seven minutes. So seven minutes till the 20? Wow. Yeah. Well, how would, it, would anybody – I don't know what else to say. You know, why don't we open for questions? How about the next seven minutes? You could ask me questions or we could begin open sharing. That would be great. If anybody has questions for Hank about his program, I mean, he's got a lot of years in, a lot of experience there. Hi, my name is Lorraine W. Can I ask a question of Hank? Absolutely. Hank, first of all, I want to thank you for um, your service and um, especially putting out that, you know, 